are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Play your Bibles tonight. I, I tell you, I, I love church. Always have. I love church. I love it today. I love being with you. And again, hearing that choir and all these very, as Brother Bertram, you prayed about all those songs that we got to hear, seeing the deaf ministry over here and the orchestra and the ushers, the sound people. Before I preach tonight, I want to say thank you so much to uh, our youth pastor and his wife, Brother, uh, Brother David, Russ, and Jen. The youth conference this week was just unbelievable, incredible. Uh, I would go up to that media room, and there's about 20 computers up there, and then they had the big screens, and they had a wall of screens and uh, LCD screens up together, four of them up there in the front. And I don't know how they do all this. They had activities, they had games, they had quizzes for people around the world playing at the same time, and Bible questions and a Bible bowl, and great preachers. And uh, I, I, I tell you, it's just so amazing the great, great preachers that preach. I've had my phone, my phone is so enjoyable because I don't have voicemail, but I have texting. And I just get so many texts all day long. Boy, brother, so-and-so did a great job preaching. Oh my goodness, I'm enjoying this. And um, it, it just, thank you so much, the media people, Brother Moyer and all your people, and men and ladies that worked up there and volunteers. And then the young people were in other locations our own kids, 150 churches in the nation and many, many, many countries of the world. And it, it just, it's just amazing. You know, I, I know the devil is trying to shut the work down. I know he is. I just know he is. But I'm glad it's still alive. And he's still on the throne as we heard pray tonight. Thank you for praying that way. And tonight I want to have a word of prayer and then look at this text with you and thank you for coming to church morning and night, Wednesday. It, it is so wonderful to see your faces. You're not in the right place, Brother Boyett. Lord, what in the world are you doing up there? And they're just trying to get in. And uh, everybody has a spot where you see, uh, see it. And I'm, Brother Jay, Jose, you precious wife, you're way, way up there. You belong right here. But um, I appreciate you. Brother Jay takes care of this pulpit every week. He works on it. These guys, not me, but these guys that preach here, they spit all over it. And uh, it's not healthy. And he cleans it all up, and it's great. Thank you. Thank you for being a good church. Good people. I appreciate you so much. Our Father, we thank you for this precious word of God that we hold in our hands. We thank you for the scripture that's before us tonight. It's so powerful. And I pray that we would learn from it tonight and glean insight for our lives this week. May we leave here with a tremendous desire and hope that perhaps as prayed already, the best is yet to come. Lord, I'm looking for the revival. I've prayed for it for years. I've never seen a revival. To my knowledge, there was only one deacon years ago that said he ever had seen a revival. Back in the early, mid-30s, he's with the Lord. 
I, I've never seen, I've seen good meetings. I've seen exciting meetings. I've seen meetings where we know you got into it. I've seen meetings where there's been a shout, and there's been tears, and there's been invitations, and people coming at the invitations, uh, and prior to the invitation. But I'm talking, God, about a revival that lasts and sweeps over the people of God, beginning with the pastor and then the people. So he said so often, Lord, it's in your character to send one more revival because you're not willing that any should perish. And when the rapture takes place, then all judgment from the almighty hand of God will take place. Please send that revival here. May we meet every condition. May we believe it can happen. And God, from this place, may it affect the nation and the world. It's my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul has just spent two years in prison. He was in Caesarea in those two years and now it was time to go to Rome. In this chapter, he is on his way to Rome. And on that way to Rome, there was a shipwreck and awful things took place. It looked so dark, it looked so hopeless. Going from two years in prison and now shackled and on that ship, he was trying to guide those people. He actually said to them one time when they're being tossed to and fro, you should have listened to me. I like a preacher like that. You should have listened to me. Amen, that's good, that's right there. But Brother Bertram, as he read it, he took my message and I'm glad he did. Verse 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days, verse 20, appeared and no small tempest, we see that verse in, word in verse 14 as well, no small tempest lay on us. Read this last phrase. Ready? Begin. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. All hope taken away. We live in that environment today. It's all hopeless. I'm talking about when, when, when we think of what, what, what we see, it just looks so hopeless. You're going to have to guard that. You have to guard it every day, throughout the day. I have to guard it. And this week, I want to challenge you to guard that. Don't let anything or anyone remove your hope. The best is yet to come. Great days are still yet ahead. The word hope is that word means the anticipation. The anticipation of good in the new future. Good things are gonna happen in the new future. future. When you take hope out of the Christian's life, you create hopelessness and we are depressed, we're discouraged, we're jealous, we're envy, we complain, we're just on discord when all hope is gone. I wanna come to you on the behalf of hope tonight. And yes, they said here, all hope was taken away. All hope taken away. I think of how Hope was removed with the virus. We thought it would be a day or two or three or four or five or six, at the most 14. It was 12 Sundays. Hope was taken away. I'd walk in this empty building so many times and throughout the day I'd come over here. I'd pray in here, I'd beg God in here. I, it was so lonely. This place was a graveyard. No buses were running. The virus took hold and they still are gonna let it take hold. It's not gonna go away real anytime soon. The virus began to affect people. Thank God it's not affected 
the North Valley Baptist Church. Even the virus hasn't affected God's people. To God be the glory. I want to say all hope was taken away when the virus came. Then the hope was taken away when the shutdown came. And then hope was taken away when the mask had to come. I want you to wear a mask if you feel comfortable, but there's gonna have to be a day contrary to what these health officials say. We're gonna have to come to a point we remove the mask to see the face. We must see the eyes and the face again. Eastern religion covers the face. You just see eyes. But our God gave us a face, and that face gives indication of what we are and what we feel and how we're feeling and how, how we smile and how we frown and, and that face needs to come back. Keep wearing a mask as long as you need to, but I'm telling you something, don't buy into this as the new normal, it is not. You ever hear of other diseases we've had back to 1918 where many more people died with the Spanish flu? Yes, the Spanish flu just like the Chinese virus. And then unemployment came because of the financial collapse. 36 million people unemployed. And the shutdown came. And several men in this church still, and I'm not saying this to be funny, they want a haircut so bad they can't find a place to get a haircut. Have you ever been to Jack's Barbershop? It's $25 a haircut, but I'll be cutting hair after church tonight right over here in my ready room. I don't have the equipment, but I do have a utility knife, and it will work real fine, and we'll cut your hair right afterwards, $25 for the building project or the debt retirement. And then came the fear. Then came the riots, then came the looting, and then came the slaughtering of people, and then came disregard for police, and then came defund the police. That is a case of the stupids. You don't want the police, then don't call them when they're burglarizing your house. In fact, why don't you be consistent and take the alarm off your house? Good night, thank God for the police defund the police and already they're starting to do it. Now they're creating another army of social workers. So when you call the police, they're going to determine, do you need a social worker or you need, and, and someone's robbing your house. Say, I think I need a social worker. I want someone to talk to them. Are they weaponized? Well, they just have machine guns. But other than that, I think if you send a counselor, they could counsel them through that. You know, it's amazing when you get so far away from God, the stupidity of our actions and the stupidity of our thinking. And by the way, I'm gonna be very nice in life, but I am not gonna silence my voice during what's going on in this country. I want you to know the disregard for police and then the disregard for the military and then the disregard for the, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, government officials and the lying media. I'm talking about the lie. I'm not running for president. I would not stoop to that. But I'm talking about, I'm a preacher of the gospel. But they lie to you. Stop reading the lies. Now this, ladies and gentlemen, is our moment. 
Every generation gets a moment. 1914 to 1918, the world had World War I. Mr. Wilson, our president, tried to keep us out of the war. We were out of it 14 and, and 15 and 16 and the latter part of 17. He said, we're gonna go in. We had 128 people that were shot down in a boat. Americans. He said, I'm not gonna tolerate it. We got World War I, 15 million people died. This country was a country, nation worldwide, 15 million. This country is a country of can-do spirit. They came back from all that poverty. And I want you to know that my, my grandparents that immigrated to this country at that moment, my grandparents and that generation in 1914, they were born in 1887. My grandparents, they had a resilience that they did not lose hope. They believed that things were gonna get better. And then my parents were part of the next generation the great crash in October of 1929, Black Friday, when all of it was Friday or Tuesday, I can't remember right now. You don't know. You do know, but we're not thinking. When the stock market collapsed and the food lines began and people were scraping to get metal and tires and things that they could to resell them to try to help because World War One's gonna come. And when World War One came, all the factories shut down. I've gone through that so many times, I won't bore you with it again. And guess what? That generation, that generation believed they're gonna win this thing. Somewhere between 70 and 85 million people died. But other countries like America, America said, we're gonna, we're gonna beat this thing. And they came home in 1947 and early 48, and the factories reopened and the cars were being reproduced by Ford and Chevy and Chrysler again for the first time in many years. And houses were being built all over America, those little World War II, post-World War homes. And business was going and churches were exploding. Churches were growing and going. The churches were there during World War II because the churches they knew were essential. Just like this church and other churches are so essential to America right now. They, they need the church more than need government. The churches need it today. God's institution, Jesus gave his life for the church. And our grandparents had World War I and our parents had World War II. But now it's our moment. What are you gonna do with this moment? It's our moment. All hope was taken away. I say tonight, never lose hope. There's hope, so be strong. There is hope, I like this phrase. God has sent me here to tell you there is hope. And he knows what you're going, he sees what you're going through. I want you to know there is hope. There is hope. You cannot lose hope. Don't let anything take your hope this week. Don't let anyone take your hope this week. There is hope, there is hope, there is hope. 
I truly believe with all my heart. I was speaking to pa Pastor Mark Swanson this week for a few moments, and that old boy is so fired up. He said, Brother Treber, I just, he's, he's running around, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're on the phone. He goes, I just believe that. I really believe there's revival coming. I believe that revival's coming. I believe these are the greatest days. I said, Matt, I didn't tell him. I was preaching on that this Sunday night. I knew I was. He just said, I think it's so great. I think it's so great. I think his governor said, you can't go to church, Illinois. He said, I believe we're on the brink of a great revival. I said, Pastor, do you experience this? Throughout the day, great, 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 great moments of courage and great moments of hope, and then it doesn't take much for you to lose it. He said, exactly. And so I wanna get those little things that take it and get rid of them. He may be watching right now so I can live in that great victory lane that we are still going to have revival. I was talking to my son yesterday on the phone. We talking about his church and our church and their governor only allows them to have 50 people so he has multiple services. I appreciate him so much. And I said, Brother Tim, son, God's hands on your life and I want you to know that you're gonna have to guard this thing of negativity because everything around you is negative. Everything around you is, is not positive. He's renting a school building, trying to get that church going. In the midst of the church was going and rolling, people were coming and it was growing. And then you get shut down for 12 weeks. And then the school says you can't use our building. And then he gets it back and you say you can only have 50 people. I said, you're gonna have to guard. He goes, exactly, Dad, exactly, because I believe like you do. I believe that could be a great revival. I wanna leave out of here, young people. Yes, it's bleak, but it was bleak for my parents. It was bleak for the stock market. It was bleak for World War I. It was bleak for World War II. It was bleak during the Vietnam era. It was bleak during the, the Haight-Ashbury era. It was bleak when I was a teenager, but the, the Detroit riots and the Baltimore riots and John, John F. Kennedy, 1963, slain, gone down in the streets of Dallas and his brother RFK at the Democratic Convention in Los Angeles, 1968. Another brother gunned down and, um, and uh, Martin Luther King gunned down trying to bring this nation back to God and back to a love for one another. Gone down. And then we had Watts, the riots of Watts. I don't know how long ago that was, but it must have been 50 years ago. Those buildings are still not rebuilt. Go down there, take a look at it. And then the mafia got hold. I was preaching about 30 years ago in the East Coast. I kept seeing these buildings in the downtown, nice buildings. And then I saw an empty one. It had been charred and they had removed all the stuff. I said, what happened there? They said, the mafia. You don't do it their way, you burn your building down. And they just leave it there. I want you to know, friend, today, all hope was taken away. Teenager, don't let anybody or anything steal your hope. College age young people, don't let anything or anyone steal your hope. I want you to see in this text before us tonight, I want you to see if you will, in verse, verse number 14, storms come suddenly, but not long after. But not long after, 
It wasn't days, it wasn't weeks, it wasn't months, it wasn't years, but not long after. Storms just keep coming and keep coming. Eurachlodon, that's the way it worked on this region. And all of a sudden you go out on the, in the ship or the boat you're on and everything looked fine. And then all of a sudden the wind would begin to whip and the clouds would get dark and a Eurachlodon would come. And all of a sudden it came and it suddenly, suddenly storms come. A car accident is sudden. Plane crash is sudden. Cancer is sudden. MS is sudden. Diabetes is sudden. I've been, I've been speaking to so many people. Divorce is sudden. Sudden it just came. It just happened. It just came. He served me with papers. He served me with papers. A prodigal son, a prodigal daughter is sudden. I thought I had her heart. I thought I had his heart. What in the world's going on in my own family, my own home? A dad may say, a mother may say, storms come suddenly. Secondly, storms always have to run their course. Look at verse 15. And when the ship was caught up, what do you mean caught up? Well, the, the wind and, and the storm got it and could not bear up unto the wind. Watch this like next four words, the last four words of that verse. Could you read it together where it says, we, ready, begin. We let her drive. In other words, when the storm comes, what'd you do? You take your hands off the wheel. I can't control this one, Reuben. Just can't control this one. Hey, Brother Chris, can't control it. I'm in the storm of my life. I wish I could fix it. I wish I could change it. I wish I could give a better diagnosis. I wish I could change the streets of our city. We're gonna to have to just let it drive because it's in the hand of an almighty God. God can be using God, God. One of the preachers on our staff told me this this week. God can be using the riots and the looting and the, and the anarchy and the hatred. God could be using it that we have to look up. I don't know what God's doing, but y'all let it just drive. I see thirdly, storms always leave damage. Verse 16, running under a certain island which is called Clada, we had much work to come by the boat. The boat was in terrible condition. They had to do something about it. I wanna say number four, storms always throw you around. Verse number 18, we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest. There's that word again. Tossed with the tempest. Tossed with the tempest. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When I'm tossed. When you're tossed and you're feeling low, and you're so discouraged, I don't know what to do. He'll stand by you. I, I, I love that verse, what we just read right there. Look at it right there. Being exceedingly tossed with the tempest. My sweet chairman, my deacons, Brother Van Dyke, and his precious wife, they've lived a long life, and they look 45 years younger than me. But don't tell me in life they've not had storms.
I'm reluctant to tell you this, but the vast majority of this church, it's a surprise to you, I'm gonna just tell you right now. You're gonna gasp, I know when I tell you, you're gonna gasp. The vast majority of this church, the vast majority are younger than I am. I know this is a surprise. You thought, I know you didn't think I was a teenager, but you probably thought I was a 15 year college student or something like that. Thank you. See you at the altar in a few minutes. Can I tell you something about storms, Brother Bill Langston? Something you know, I know. Brother Raisy, you know it. They just keep coming. Whew! Finally, Brother McCracken, no more storms. Doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work that way. I think of the storm that everyone in this room, if the Lord tarries you, live long enough. The storm that I tried to be so, so loving and kind to my mother and dad toward it. I tried to be so respectful. I tried to listen to them. But now, I wish I'd have spent more time. When we had to move them out of the house for all those years, their beautiful house, and into an apartment, and then into a nursing facility, and then for a 24 hour a day assisted living care, and then into that one little room where they both passed away. In the same location, at that same bed, I wish I'd have listened a little bit more carefully when, Dad, you can't drive anymore. I wish I would have listened a little bit more carefully when we had to get rid of all the things of the house. And I listened very carefully. I tried to be very respectful. I, I wish I'd have placed myself a little bit more in the position of now they're moving into this location, this one room. This is it. I don't care how old you get, the storms keep coming. That's part of life. And what I appreciate about senior saints in this church, you don't get to become a senior saint without one storm after another storm and heartache and disappointment and health situations and sorrows and, 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 and funerals and setbacks. You don't, you don't get to a, a bald head or a white head or a gray head. You don't get down the journey of life without everything being a storm. I was looking the other day in my prayer journal, I don't pray for these preachers anymore, they're all passed away, but I have, I've got a numerous amount of preachers that have passed away since coming here 45 years ago. And I look at those great preachers, every one of those great well-known preachers, every one of them ended in a storm of life. It did not get easier, it got harder. When this great preacher had 850 people walk out on one Sunday, he said, on Easter Sunday, let's stand, and I want to preach. When he said, let's read the word of God, they had that crowd walk out on him. I think of my dear, dear friends preached, both the, that fellow preached behind this pulpit. I think of my dear friend who preached behind this pulpit, and on one Sunday, a man in the church led 450 people down the street and took out of his great church 450 people. 
I think of one of the great men in America, his church was averaging about 10,000, a great university, and he said to the deacons, he said, I, I'm gonna retire, I'm gonna go into full-time evangelism, I've been here all these years, and, and they said, the deacon said, uh, is that what you're gonna do? Uh, we'll take your resignation, is that what's gonna happen? Yes, it is, and tonight I tender it, and we accept it, they said. He said, may I just suggest a replacement? And one deacon stood and said, no, sir, you cannot. You've resigned. And the deacons stood with him. And he gave his life over 40 years to that ministry. 40 years and six months to be, a same, uh, to, to be exact, the same amount of time that David served as king 40 years and six months. And after 40 years and six months, he did not even get an opportunity to have a vote on, and a suggestion on who the next pastor would be. And guess what? They chose the wrong pastor and the buildings and the music hall and the gymnasium and the dormitories and the cafeterias and the offices and the chapels and that great auditorium are empty tonight. The church is 100% gone. There is no church. The buildings are all gone, they're empty. Another church came and got a little bit of them and bought it and started something else. Storms, they toss you around. Notice what storms do. In the midst of the storm, you're gonna have to lighten the ship. Verse 18, we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest the next day, they lightened the ship. And on the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. We've been in a storm. What have you in these last 16 weeks, what have you had to cast off? What have you had to cast over? Maybe some things that we think this is my dream, maybe you ought to cast it over. My plans, my ambition, my, my aspirations, maybe, maybe we wanna pass all those things and take them and throw them overboard. I knew a great preacher, he preached in this pulpit, in the old building. He said, Brother Treber, when I'm 50, he was probably 45, one of the greatest churches in America. When I'm 50, I'm gonna be a multimillionaire. I said, what? I was a young preacher. He said, by the time I'm 50, I've made investments, I, I will, I'll be worth several million. I never had him come back, great preacher. Just broke my heart when he said it. You know where he spent his 50th birthday? In an insane asylum. God says you're gonna be in the ministry, it's not for filthy lucre's sake. What do you have to get out of your life? What do you have to cast off? You know, Brother Manuel, Maria, that's what I've been spending time these last 16 weeks trying to think, of. what do I have to get rid of Jack Treber? What, what are my life has entered in that I need to get rid of? I, I've gone through my study and I've rid, my, I've rid my study of, of so much things, got rid of them, pared it down, through, through garbage can after garbage can after garbage can after garbage can away, and I don't have a sloppy office. My books, some of these guys, they'll, they'll be interviewing a guy on TV in his office, in his library, books all over the way, piled on. My, my books are straight as an arrow. Everything's organized. But I said, I like this, but I don't need it anymore. 
I like this, but it's no value anymore. I've gotta, I've gotta get rid of these things. I've gotta pare this thing down. What do you have to pare down? Maybe it's jealousy, or maybe you gotta throw jealousy overboard, or envy overboard, or gossip overboard, or discord overboard, or criticism overboard. Maybe, maybe you gotta throw overboard uh, the, the, the new philosophy of the day, the contemporary movement. Maybe you say, I'll fl- just throw that thing overboard. What's gonna save America is old time preaching from this old fashioned King James Bible and hymns and songs and spiritual songs and prayer meetings and getting right with God and not seeing how close we can be to the world but living separate before a holy God. Number six. God always, when there's gonna be a hope involved, sends a man of God, verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them all and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me. God sent those sailors a man of God. God's gonna send you a Proverbs 31 lady. And she's gonna say to you, as a Titus chapter two agent Christian woman, she's gonna say, honey, Don't do what you're doing. And when a sainted, godly, clean, holy woman of God, and there are scores of them in this auditorium, give you some spiritual insight, dear lady and young young mother, say, no, honey, you're doing that wrong. No, no, please listen to me. You ought to listen. She said, no, you don't, you don't need to get your advice on the internet from some girlfriend that is raising her first baby. You need to get it from a seasoned mother that's been down that road. I wish young men, we have so many good pastors around here, good school teachers and professors and leaders. I wish some of you young preachers and I don't have to be the man would call and say, could I talk to you about my ministry? Now I guarantee it, every one of these men would say, let me hear what you have to say and then listen carefully with no interruption. And then they'd say probably something like this, let's pray together, pause. They're thinking you're gonna pray right there. Let's pray together about this decision for the next six to nine months. Well, you don't understand. I gotta make a decision tonight. No, you've gotta wait. Because you're all over the map. We're out of time. God always takes control of the situation, the storm. Verse 23, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Fear not. But all hope is taken away. We're gonna be we're gonna be drowned. But the angel of God said, Hey, fear not, Paul. For thou must be brought before Caesar. And God shall give thee all them that say with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good courage. I love this what Paul says for here it is. I believe God. Well, we'll never get rid of the virus. Well, I've gotten rid of all the others. It'd be okay. But what if we elect a socialist? God stood by me. And I believe God. 
We, we may have to be the underground church. I don't want to, but we might see more people saved. Whether this is true or not, Brother Lawman, I don't know. You would be the authority on it, but I've heard there's at least 25,000 people a day getting saved in China. I don't know if that's true. I don't normally like to state things like that without knowing, but I've heard there's an underground revival going on. You think people want to live in a regime of communism? What countries of the world are they breaking down the doors to get into? What country? Are they trying to get into North Korea? No, they're not trying to get in there. They're trying to get into China? No, they're not. They're trying to get in Iran? No. You know, there's only one place I think that they're trying to get into. And quite frankly, it's such a bad place. I would, I would, I would kneel when you see that flag. Because that's an evil thing. And I'd burn it. I'd spit on it. Then why do millions try to get in here? Thank you for letting me say that, Lord. And so tonight in closing, we get to this text. And I love what it says in verse 44. Oh, yes, they had to be shipwrecked. And the rest of the boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass. This year I've underlined that phrase every time in my Bible, so often in the Old Testament. It always comes to pass that they all escaped safe to land. As we stand tonight, would you please stand with me? The devil wants you to lose hope. The devil wants me to lose hope. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Where do we find hope? In God. Not CNN. In God. Not the news. In God. In God's word, secondly. In God's house. In God speaking to us. And, uh, and, and looking at past victories that God opened up a Red Sea, God can do it again. Where do we look? We look to our heritage, our mothers and daddies, and see what they did and what they faced and how they made it. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.